this whole uh, talk is going to be my journey through this past year and some change uh, that I've walked with depression and anxiety a little bit, but it's more so going to be uh, depression. And um, just a disclaimer, uh, I get really nervous when I'm top talking in public. So if I say something that's a little confusing or I, I seem to be rambling on a topic that doesn't make sense, feel free to raise your hand, ask a question. Uh, that, that helps me get back on topic and I don't want anyone to just be sitting here confused because uh, no one likes doing that. Um, so August of uh, 2015, um, I got back to Clemson. I just worked a job uh, in DC. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I worked for a great family, uh, went to a great church up there. And when I came back, um, I noticed something was off. Um, felt lonely and sad all the time. And that wasn't uh, out of the norm for my life. I've gone through different periods of time where I felt uh, that same way. And I assumed that over time, that feeling would just dissipate on its own. And um, when it didn't is when I started to get worried. Um, I'd been feeling that same way for a long time. And it was hard. And I'd, I'd never had depression before, but I have family members who have. And I. I uh, talked to my group of three, which was Sean and another guy named Alan, and I talked to Keith about it, and I was like, I feel like I'm in an emotional rut. Uh, I couldn't make myself feel anything. I felt like joy wasn't in my life. I didn't feel happy doing things that normally made me happy. Um, it wasn't just that I was sad all the time. It was just that I was, it, when I was sad, it was really, really low, and then it, not being able to go back up to happy, it just felt like my life was a downward trend. And that was hard. And um, talking to Keith uh, about it was good. He was like, well, maybe we need to see some professional help for it. And talking to Sean with it was good. He asked a lot of insightful questions that made me really understand the depth of what I was feeling, um, which I appreciate from both of them a lot. And so I ended up going to Redfern on campus. Um, I talked to him. MD doctor uh, and I was diagnosed with depression and uh, prescribed some medication and uh, that was hard for me uh, being on medication the medication for me told me that I wasn't uh, trusted to be normal without a little pill and like we talked about last week uh, my medication was like a serotonin delivery system to my brain so I could be regulated or whatever is one of those drugs that we talked about last week and um, I remember walking out of Redfern. It was uh, late in the afternoon, and it's really hot right there. <laughs> Don't want hot water. Um, and I walked from there down to C1, which isn't a terrible walk, but my car was parked in the very back. And I went, and I sat down in my car. I didn't turn it on, and I called my dad. Um, and that was really hard. I'd talked to him throughout the month of August. And I had to tell him that every time we talked that I'd been lying to him because he'd been asking how I was doing, how, uh, how I enjoyed my friends here in Clemson, how I was doing in class, if I was going to class, which I was because it was the first month. I don't skip until the next month. <laughs> um, and I, I broke down. I was crying. I was on the phone with my dad. Uh, when he answered, he knew something was wrong. Um, which not it's not because I was crying I actually cry a lot but because he could just kind of feel it's like uh, 
I don't know, a dad thing. I'm not a dad, so I guess I'll inherit that maybe. <laughs> a few dads could uh, fill me in on when that happens. Um, but uh, just while I was talking to him, I realized that I was angry with God. Um, I didn't tell him that, but it was weird talking to my earthly father and being angry with my spiritual father. And uh, we had a long conversation. I, uh, we ended, he told me he loved me, which tells me every time we're on the phone, that's not a rarity. Um, but I, I hung up and I went home, uh, avoided both of my roommates, and then I just went upstairs and went straight to sleep. Um, it was fairly easy. I knew both my roommates' schedules, so I avoided contact with them for a while. Um, I just didn't want them to know something was wrong. I didn't want them to see cracks in my facade because I've always, up until recently, lived my life trying to create this perfect mannequin or mask or create this perfect something that people will actually see so that they don't get to see the real me. And especially while I've been walking with depression, I don't want people to see the cracks, to see the, the falters. That's not a word. Uh, <laughs> um, I, don't, I, I just don't want them to see my mistakes and... Um, my shortcomings and it was <laughs> it was fairly easy to act that way um, I was on medication so that took the edge off a little bit but there's no cure for depression there's no just like happy pill that makes everything great that's actually what I call my medication now happy pills <laughs> um, but that's just a little tidbit um, and I I came to church uh, if anything, I made sure I was at everything so that no one could really question me. I did it purely so no one would question me. I came Mondays and Wednesdays, and I made sure that I hung around different people so that the same questions would be asked, and I could ask, and I could answer the same way, and no one would really see that there was something going on. Hey, Landon, how you doing? I'm exhausted. Oh, well, what's up? Oh, I had a long day of class. I was in the library for six hours. It just I always came up with some sort of problem that could explain my behavior as not being upbeat, happy-go-lucky, the way that I was before I had depression. And I just lived that way for a while. And then a year ago with Austin, that was especially hard for me, having already had depression, and depression being the fourth stage of uh, the grief cycle. It was like, it was very, very hard for me, especially because I'd been thinking about doing the same thing since August. I didn't ever plan anything, but I thought about it every day, every single day. And that's something that made life especially hard because thinking about death is incredibly mentally debilitating. It's, I wasn't able to stop thinking about it. It was just like on that heavy cycle. I'd do my homework. My break from homework was thinking about killing myself every single day. And... I worked a job, I, did, I worked 28 hours a week while taking 15 hours worth of classes, and those 28 hours were three days. I worked Thursday nights, Friday nights, and Saturdays all day. And for people who've never dealt with depression themselves, um, it was like going to work and being yelled at at my boss and never really being able to come home. Like, and I've had hard days at work. I'm sure that people who have worked real jobs have had harder days at work. But my boss was, was me. 
when I, I never got to go home. Just It was yelling at myself, my decisions, my life, uh, my insecurities. Um, I'm really insecure being overweight. Um, I've worked, I've worked out. I've worked out with Patrick. Uh, you're my favorite gym partner, but... <laughs> Um, and I, I've worked at it, but it, I never saw any results. So I got down on myself and I quit. And that's been another cycle and something that would just eat away at me and made, made me believe like, well, I wouldn't have to work out if I just wasn't here anymore. And with Austin gone, uh, that became much more real. I'd never known anyone before who had done that. And then two weeks later, I had another friend do it, uh, a Clemson student that uh, wasn't part of the church, but I had met in 2011, and <laughs> it, was, it was hard. And the friends that uh, knew about what I was going, with, uh, going through uh, were, I'm especially grateful to, because they checked up a lot on me uh, during that time period as we were uh, growing closer together as a church, but also just grieving together. Um, and I'm grateful to everyone that was uh, really invested in my life and finding out about how I was doing and not, not being okay with me saying, oh, I'm just tired or I'm exhausted. I'm upset that I didn't do as well as I thought I did on a test. They, there are some people who just held me to higher answers, um, and I'm grateful for that. Um, and... Part of creating that uh, perfect facade, even through all of that, was uh, just using my humor to keep people at, at an arm's distance. Uh, I, I love telling jokes. I get it from my dad. I like making people laugh. And doing that helped keep kind of the spotlight off of me. And um, I used that so people couldn't really even see the real me, that they would know that I was angry with God, that I felt like an incomplete puzzle without my medication, that uh, they, they just couldn't, they wouldn't see the real me. Like I didn't even have to build a wall because they weren't looking. And that was an, in, an, in, <laughs> an incredibly hard time because I wanted people to, I wanted to keep pushing them away, but I wanted someone to fight against me. And <laughs> it's easy, you can't can't do that you can't push people away and then expect them to just dive right into seeing how you're really doing and the people that I talked to um, that knew about it I still pushed them away I they'd ask how I was doing and I would either give a better version of how I was feeling or even if I was honest I'd, I'd downplay how just how much I hated myself and how much I hated what I was going through how much I hated God for choosing me to go through it how it's just all around angry. Why me? I wanted to be where my friends were, growing the fruit that they were growing, pursuing the life they were pursuing. A lot of my friends graduated last year, friends that I moved here with. And that was hard knowing that I'm not, I'm not even graduating this year. Um, that I just, I didn't want my life. I wanted that life. And I wasn't contempt, content being where, where I am or where I was. I am where I am now. <laughs> so there is a light. We're getting there. Um, and life continued through November and then that first week of December when my second friend did. And we are finally on winter break. And both of my friends uh, went home to their families immediately. Uh, they didn't have to worry about a job here. Um, 
Adam worked at CORE, and so when campus was closed, he was done with his job. So he went home, and uh, my friend Richard, uh, he, I don't think, worked at all. So he, he went home, hung out with his parents, and that gave me a lot of alone time, and that gave me some hope to uh, combat these feelings, to just kind of recharge and not be yelling at myself mentally, um, and it didn't. I, I used, uh, because the thoughts were still there, I used all of my free time to try to numb the pain. I'd focus on movies, or I got really invested in like binge watching Netflix, just anything that would distract me from thinking about myself was what was on my mind. Playing video games, watching movies, binge watching Netflix, just any free hour sleeping, uh, any free hour I had I tried to occupy with doing something that wouldn't require internal thought because internal thought was the hardest. Um, and then the end of December and early January, I had the opportunity to go to Chicago with some friends and a lot of fun doing that. I love Chicago. Um, I've been there once before. I knew that I loved it. Um, was really excited when I got the invitation and I went up with a bunch of people who had no idea what was going on with me personally and I tried to keep it that way. Um, and I, acted like everything was normal, but it was a lot harder being around the same people every single day for every hour of the day. It was much harder to keep up the masquerade that I needed some alone time to recuperate, but I wasn't getting it. And I needed the time to like recharge my acting batteries, I guess is the metaphor I'm going for. And I didn't get it. So on the last night or the second to last night, I ended up breaking down and uh, confiding with the two of the guys that I was staying with, uh, Daniel and Daniel, uh, Burke and Witt. <laughs> and um, they were worried, obviously. Uh, Burke had lived with Austin, and it's obviously very scary to then talk to someone less than a month and a half later about them thinking that they're wanting to do the same thing. Um, and we prayed for like an hour and a half or two hours, and I felt a lot better, not cured obviously but it was it felt good to confide in people and feel like they were helping carry my burden uh, because I had confided with people here and it, it felt like all I was doing was showing them that I was carrying something but I wasn't letting them help I was just holding on to it and not like pridefully not letting anyone help but I wanted them to know that I was carrying something. The, the people I did tell, everyone else, I wanted to not think anything uh, was different in my life. Um, so after Chicago, um, we go through the spring semester. I wasn't doing well in classes. Um, I wasn't doing well in classes in the fall either. I was retaking a class in the spring. Um, I was just kind of existing at this point. After I got home from Chicago, um, my doctor upped my medication because he said there's like a line of normal of what your normal emotion is. And he said that uh, if we could just make it that much higher that my quality of life would be a lot better. So we upped my medication. Um, I was still seeing my therapist who, if anyone's seen the movie Goodwill Hunting, I felt like she was trying to be Robin Williams and discover some root cause of like my depression, that I was abused as a child or anything like that, which I wasn't, so there was no root. Um, I got it genetically, which I guess would be the root, but we weren't examining my cells, we were examining my uh, life. And so we never really made any progress. Um, 
and I, I kept going, um, but it was, I just wasn't enjoying it. I wasn't enjoying my life either, but more so not enjoying something that was supposed to be helping that wasn't. And um, so I kept going that entire spring semester up until the end of April and May. Um, There's one week I was just like, I've had enough. Um, I'm not going back, and I never did. Uh, I actually stopped taking my medication as well, which, uh, disclaimer, uh, if you're ever on medication for anything, you should never just quit cold turkey, uh, which is what I did, and it's actually very dangerous, and I'm like a statistical anomaly for being fine through it, uh, I guess, which is kind of cool, but don't do it. Uh, don't do what I did. Uh, there are better ways to come down off of medication like that, and so after taking myself off of it, it takes about a month um, for the medication to get in and out of your system. And so as I was coming down, I was like, wow, I'm fine. Um, I, haven't, I haven't taken this in like three weeks and I feel great. I feel like I'm, I'm cured, um, but I wasn't. <laughs> I was just still experiencing the effects of uh, my medication. And so I started a job uh, over the summer that I'd interviewed for in March and I made a lot of close friends, two of which are here today, uh, Matt and Annie, thank you. And uh, life just continued, and I worked a job that required 66 hours a week worth of work that paid me for 28 of it. And that took my mind off of everything. <laughs> and it was great, so I didn't really have time to focus on uh, my mental needs or my emotional needs because I was just busy all the time. I didn't get to come to church much because I didn't get to choose what days I had off or I didn't realize that I could request them until the last week. Uh, oops. Um, and at the beginning, everything seemed fine. I'd, I made some close friends. Matt was uh, my best guy friend there. Uh, we played FIFA every night. <laughs> I won sometimes. He won other times. It was great. Uh, I love FIFA, but that's, sorry. <laughs> That's the nerves that go on tangents. Um, and towards before the halfway point, the halfway point was the week of July 4th. We had that week off. So around weeks three and four, um, the depression started coming back. And I could tell. But it was, it was um, isolated incidents, isolated days um, of just feeling the way I did in August um, of the previous year. Uh, and it, it wasn't ever staying for a long time, so I was just like, I'm dealing with it, deal with it on my own. And I didn't think that my uh, visit to Redfern would be covered, which actually it would have been. Um, so I just made excuses, told my parents I was feeling okay. Um, my coworkers eventually found out that I wasn't because they had become close friends, and I talked to them, and they were like, wow, you're doing a lot differently than what you like portray in front of the kids. And I was like, well, that's my job is to act like everything's great and to, that I love Clemson, so they'll come. And actually, some of them are coming next year, which is kind of cool. Um, but after the 4th of July week, that week was great. Um, I got to fly out to Utah and drive back with Hunter um, in his Jeep. So we drove through Zion National Park and then the Grand Canyon and then across the US for <laughs> 36 hours of driving. Uh, which is a great week off, just cramped up in a car. No, but it was a lot of fun. Saw a lot of beautiful things. Got a rock from Zion National Park that um, 
is going to be on my desk at some point. I think it's in my car still. <laughs> Oops. Um, but after that week, um, my depression started affecting me a lot more severely. Um, that next week or the week after, I think I had a collective 15 hours of sleep for the week. Um, just the thoughts that I was thinking at night, just I, I couldn't put my brain to sleep. There was no reprieve. Uh, there was no rest. Uh, the first night I had two hours, then like the next night I had three, and by Thursday my coworkers were like, you're crazy, like you're literally insane. And they would urge me to go take naps, but I couldn't sleep, so I was like, what's the point of me going and laying in bed and just thinking instead of being around people? Because when I was around people or I was around campers, I could micromanage them and make sure that they were doing something, which required me thinking about them instead of me thinking about me. And that was hard. And I had different problems with different coworkers there. Obviously, no one gets along with everyone that they meet. And I <laughs> met more people that I didn't get along with over the summer, which was hard because I'm a people pleaser. Um, but some of them got along with me really well, and they like, pulled me aside and told me they were really worried for me. Um, and by the last week, uh, I started, I'd, I fell back into an old habit of mine. I started dabbling in self-harm again. Um, I started to cut my left arm, and um, I did it on separate occasions, uh, four separate times, just with any sharp instrument that I could get a hold of. Um, and for, for the time being, that it felt good. Um, it was another distraction. Uh, pain erases every thought in your mind, and you think about what hurts. And that, that became my escape. And uh, I mean, this was over the summer, and no one really walks around in sweatshirts or long sleeves, so I got caught fairly quickly. Uh, and Matt, Annie, Sarah, and some other friends of mine made me promise that I'd never do it again. Um, I've kept that promise. Uh, and I had some long talks with Sarah, um, one of my coworkers. And one of our phrases to talk about things in front of campers, um, to tell, it was kind of to reassure me that everything was OK, was saying day by day. And it reminded me to slow down, to praise God, to pray to God, and to just take the problems one at a time, one bite at a time, one step at a time, because there's no uh, use in worrying about what the problem was going to do tomorrow or what it did yesterday, but to slow down. And if I took things moment by moment, that I could, I could live and I could choose to live. And... Um, up until that point, my prayer every day had been that God would take me home. Uh, I was I'd I'd come to the conviction that I wouldn't do it myself, but I was going to pray that my job here on Earth was over soon. And um, Sarah was like, "You're an idiot. Uh, you need to choose life and choose to be uh, God's servant, and not decide that when you're done that you get to leave." Um, that it's not my job to choose when I'm done or what job's my last job. Um, and so we kept chanting day by day, I guess, for the rest of the summer. And I ended up going with Matt to a tattoo parlor. And I got it tattooed, so the words are day by day. Um, 
And then the placement is a reminder of the promise that I made to Matt and to Annie and to Sarah um, that I wouldn't do it again because I put it right above where I used to cut. And I'm reminded every time I look at my arm. I haven't ever picked up a knife or anything else like that again. Um, but if I do, there is a reminder there to not do it. And I'm grateful to my friends about that promise because I hate breaking promises. <laughs> and I hate hurting myself too. Um, and that brings us to the, the start of the new school year. Sarah, uh, the person we were just talking about, actually, uh, she's an RA and she threatened to fill out some form that would like report me to CAPS or something. I don't know how it actually does, but she, she basically threatened me t to go back to the doctor and to see a new uh, psychologist in the CAPS program, and I did because I didn't want to be ambushed by whatever was going to happen from the paperwork. Um, so if, don't tell me if that's not an actual thing. I, I like it. Uh, OK. Um, and so I did. I went back to Redfern uh, the first week of school, actually the first day of school. Um, and I talked to the same doctor, and I told him uh, what had happened, uh, that I'd taken myself off the medication because I didn't feel like I was in control of me. Um, oh, that's something I skipped. Um, on this medication, I felt like I was just a puppet in my own skin, that I didn't get to choose uh, how I felt. You know how you can make yourself feel like mad, sad, happy, like you can create those feelings artificially by doing different things. I wasn't able to do that. I was just a constant flatline, and I hated it, and that's why I took myself off the medication. Um, so I explained all that to him, and so we, um, he prescribed me a different drug, one that has been successful with other family members of mine that have had depression. Um, and that's really good because, uh, because it worked with family members, I'm like 95% more likely to respond positively to it, and I have, which is good. Um, and I went and saw a new psychologist. Um, I got this <laughs> little old Russian lady uh, who's a behavioral psychologist. And instead of focusing on like what childhood triggers had caused my depression, we started talking about living with my depression and uh, how to counteract the, uh, the present symptoms instead of trying to like cure me. And I love that about her. We practice mindfulness, uh, which is uh, sitting still and breathing. And it kind of just recalibrates me for my day whenever I feel like frazzled or disconnected that I can connect to myself and feel like I'm one person instead of a bunch of people, not that I'm schizophrenic, uh, or maybe I am, I don't know. <laughs> but it's it's been really good. Um, I've transitioned from defining myself as Landon is depressed to Landon is fun, Landon is happy. Landon enjoys his time here in Clemson. I, I stopped using my illness as a definition for me, and instead it became something that I'm, I carry, that, I, that just comes with me. It, and that's something that Keith and I talked about the whole time, which I knew, I knew those words in my head cognitively, but I didn't, I didn't believe them, that my thought process didn't revolve around understanding that I'm not defined by my depression. And now living, living that is, is so much different than living like that last year. Um, 
I, I, my joy came back. Joy is something I lived without from last August until July of this past year. I just didn't have it. I can't explain <laughs> where it went because I was joyful before that and I'm joyful now. Um, but it was the part of the reason why it was so hard. Um, and uh, middle of September, or the end of September, we had a guest speaker uh, come to one of my management classes, and there they were talking about um, the like keys keys to success. And the whole point was he, we made it to the end, and he's like, "There are no actual keys. You just have to go out and work hard." And I was like, "You just wasted a 50-minute class. <laughs> I could have gone home. I wouldn't have done homework, but I could have." <laughs> that was great, Kim. And at the end, after he had said that there are no actual keys, uh, he said something that stuck with me. He said, bloom where you're planted. And if you remember, I was angry at God because I wanted to be growing the fruit that my friends were growing. I wanted to be done with college. I wanted to be just doing something besides being depressed and working 28 hours a week as a server, which is very hard if you've never served tables. Uh, it's great money, <laughs> very hard job. Um, and I realized that the difference between last year and this year has been that I am blooming where I'm planted. I've, because I've stopped defining myself as depressed and I've started just carrying that and I'm letting my friends help me carry that burden because I've been open with them that I've started to bloom and grow fruit and that's something that I couldn't say last year I felt like I'd just been planted but now I've just seen different problems uh, that I used to have that now I react differently and I, I'm much more empathetic to other people that have depression, obviously, because I know exactly what they're going through. And um, I say all of this uh, not so that anyone can feel bad uh, for me, um, because that's not uh, <laughs> what's important. Uh, I'm doing great now. You should feel happy for me. But I want to increase our empathy as a church, uh, because I'm not going to be the last person you meet that has depression. Uh, statistically, if you meet a girl, they're more often than not going to be depressed. And I mean, it still affects guys, obviously. But uh, it's, it's something that's very rampant, and it's, it's hard to deal with. And, and people that are depressed know that there are people that they can talk to, but they feel like they're alone. And that combating that loneliness is definitely one of the hardest parts of my journey. And I've, <laughs> I've had a, a lot of really key people in my life that have helped me uh, make it to this point. Um, and a, a big thank you to them. Um, that's kind of my story. Oh, and life, life now isn't just better because nothing hard has happened. Um, I knew the kid that uh, died over the weekend as well. Um, and I mean, we weren't close, um, but it's not that my life is just devoid of all, all things hard. It's that my mindset's a lot different and I'm, God and I are on good terms again. Uh, not that he changed, I changed. Um, 
and but that that brings us to where I am now, and I'm happy, joyful, uh, thriving, still seeing my psychologist. Uh, having this Russian lady talk to me is actually very entertaining. <laughs> uh, just something about Russian accents and then talking about emotions is really weird, but really fun. Uh, but if there are any questions, um, feel free to ask them now, or uh, you can uh, message me online. Uh, I actually had all my classes canceled Friday, and I don't have class tomorrow. So I can get coffee with people. Yeah, all my professors wanted to go early um, on break. and But I'd love to have coffee if you want to talk specifically about anything. But uh, if that's it, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Dear God, thank you for this wonderful day that you've blessed us with today, God. I know that all day today I've been feeling nervous um, just because I don't like speaking in front of people. Um, but God, thank you for loving me and helping carry me through this past year. Uh, thank you for the people here, here now that got to hear my journey. Uh, God, I pray that if anything, it helps them interact with someone that they meet down the road that's feeling the same way that I've felt before, God. I pray that everyone knows that there are people here that can help them if they're feeling that way or that they can direct people who are towards uh, the people who do know. God, we all love you here. Uh, we all praise you. God, I pray that you um, can keep all of us safe as we enter the holidays and a lot of us are going to be traveling home. Pray that we can be positive impacts on our family and not get into a bunch of political debates uh, like I know I want to. And all of this is in your son's name we pray. Amen. <laughs>